this week on Startup Advantage. I think part of the problem with a lot of entrepreneurs is we have that shiny object syndrome where we're constantly thinking of new ideas and, and we might be working on something, but then we think of something else and we want to chase that and try that and we get bored with what we're doing. So that's one thing that I regret in a way because I feel like I waste a lot of time, but at the same time, for me, maybe I needed to experience all these different things to get where I am or to know what I want to do. Welcome to Startup Advantage, where first-time entrepreneurs gain encouraging insights on the strategies, habits, and mindsets of successful entrepreneurs. You'll hear conversations on how to be more efficient, live smarter, and increase your resilience to give you an advantage in the early stages starting and building your business. Even people we think are overnight successes, there's usually a story there. It usually took a decade or who knows how long that we don't know all the years and hours and late nights and different business models they tried. And it's about having the guts to actually do it. You know, I mean, all the planning in the world doesn't uh, solve for not taking action. So once you have that clarity and you can get dialed in on that, day-to-day progress, that's where the magic can happen. You want to position yourself as a trusted solution partner for your customer base so that when they need something that you're in the arena of providing, you're who they think of. I'm your host, Tanya Dreder, a former broadcast journalist and entrepreneurship coach. We'll also explore the role of relationships and how to approach entrepreneurship collaboratively as a team sport for a competitive advantage. Be part of it. Subscribe on your favorite podcast player at startupadvantagepodcast.com and share it with a friend that will benefit from it. Welcome to Startup Advantage with me, Tanya. Thank you for joining me for episode number 31 and for letting me be your guide again today. I hope you've been having a great week so far. Each month, I have a question for you to get to know you better. This week, I want to know... What do you do to support your personal development? Are you investing time into this at the moment? Let me know by sending me a voice message or an email. I'd love to hear what you're doing to invest in yourself. It can help me to support you. This week, we have a special guest on the podcast who is an expert on building an online business on a bootstrap budget, Sarah St. John. This episode is for you if you're interested in learning more about online businesses or how to develop a frugal mindset. I invited Sarah because, for Sarah, frugal or then sensible and economical or budget-wise, if you're not familiar with the term frugal, is a way of life. As I've gotten to know her as someone who has adopted, through experience, a frugal approach to entrepreneurial life. And as you'll hear, she's frugal in all her ways. She's thoughtful in how she spends her money, her time, and her attention with the projects she takes on, with the resources she chooses to help her run her online business. Sarah is an entrepreneur, podcaster, online course creator, and author, and she is generously sharing free PDF copies of the complete Premiere series that she wrote which includes frugalpreneur, authorpreneur, and podcastpreneur. That will help you to learn about different ways to make money online. It will explain the must-haves for your online business, while also sharing the best free or inexpensive resources to help you succeed. 
More details later in this episode on how you can get your free copies. At the end of this episode, I want you to feel encouraged that just like Sarah, you can learn to be frugal in all your ways as an entrepreneur with your time, with the projects you take on and with the resources you choose to use in your journey to build a successful business, especially if you have an online business. Let's welcome her. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to Startup Advantage. You've created several startups throughout your entrepreneurial career of over a decade. And your goal is to teach others what you've learned over the years by showing people how to launch and manage an online business on a budget. In the current environment that we find ourselves in, and it being the beginning of a new year, it really is an excellent time for us to talk to you and to learn from you. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Sarah, it is clear to anybody that looks at your website or who talks to you or meets you that you are openly passionate about entrepreneurship. I saw in your first book, you mentioned that you've learned over time that you're an entrepreneur at heart. Tell me about that time in your life when you first realized that you wanted to be an entrepreneur and then how it became to feel like second nature to you. Mm-hmm. Sure. When I was a kid, I would collect candy and pencils that I got for free, and then I would sell them to my friends. And like anytime a friend would come over, I'd have a tabletop set up with all <laughs> these things. I'm like, you want to buy anything? So I think that was probably my first kind of inkling in America anyway. They really tell you, you know, you need to go to college and have a nine to five. That's kind of like ingrained in you from the get go when you're in school. So I kind of did all that and did what I was supposed to do. But in 2008, I had had six different jobs that year, not at the same time, but throughout the course of the year and realized that working for someone else just really wasn't my cup of tea. So I started my own business. It was a photography business. And I realized that while I like taking photos of animals and architecture and landscapes, I didn't like taking photos of people. But that's where the money is. I was doing weddings and portraits. But the bigger issue even than that was the expense to maintain equipment and lighting and software and just all of that. So I decided that I wanted to switch to an online business model to save money, basically. So I tried a bunch of different things like drop shipping, affiliate marketing, blogging, all these different things. And it was through that process that I discovered all these free or really affordable tools and resources and software that you could use to run a business on a budget. So then I got the idea to write a book, Frugalpreneur, about the different types of online business models and how to run them affordably. Then I got the idea to launch a podcast, also called Frugalpreneur, to coincide with the book. And it was just going to be 10 episodes or something. But I was getting more leverage and traction from the podcast than the book. And I was enjoying the connections I was making. And so I kept that up and I was editing and producing my own podcast and people were complimenting me on it and how it sounded professional. So I was like, why not get paid to do this for other people? So then I launched a podcast production agency. I'm all in and all focused on podcasting now, but it took over a decade of trying a bunch of different things to get to that point. I think I've, I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. And I could see that as a child, but it's almost like 
it's kind of squashed. You're Mm. supposed to go to college and get a nine to five job. And so I did that. Entrepreneurship was on the back burner, but it was through having all these different jobs that I was like, yeah, this isn't really for me. Mm. I don't really like working for someone else. Yeah. So Sarah, it sounds like you had a little bit of an internal struggle throughout the journey, trusting your gut and going for what is pulling you and what feels right. That's something that you want to explore versus what you think you should be doing. I definitely had that internal struggle, and I think it definitely became more pronounced in 2008 when I was having several different jobs that weren't working out, or I just didn't like working for someone else and having to adhere by their rules. Plus, there's only so much money you can make working for someone else, whether it's hourly or Mm -hmm. salary. It's basically trading time for money with running your own business. I guess it depends on what business you're in, but generally speaking, sky's the limit, you know. From an income perspective, working for someone else just didn't make sense at a certain point. But I think beyond that, the bigger issue was just that it wasn't satisfying or it wasn't fulfilling. I kept working full-time in various jobs while I was trying these different business models because I wasn't sure (laughs) what direction Mm -hmm. I was going to go and what I was going to do. I just knew it was going to be some sort of entrepreneurial Mm. uh, journey. I find there's a lot of first-time entrepreneurs. They don't realize that for some or even most of entrepreneurs, it is a process. So that's so helpful. Thank you for sharing a little bit about your own journey. You did mention when you started your first business in 2008, you started part-time and you continued to work for a regular full-time job to pay your bills. Now that you have the benefit of hindsight, would you recommend this to somebody else who wants to start an online business specifically to do it on the side first before they go in fully into it? What would you say? I definitely recommend at least starting out, continuing with your regular job and just being a side hustle at first. Because like with me, I wasn't even sure what direction I was going to go. I tried Mm. several different types of online businesses. It gives you the opportunity to to test different things out, especially if you're not sure what you want to do and see what you're most passionate about. While you have a full-time job, it gives you the freedom to try different types of business models. And Mm -hmm. so that's the route I went. But I guess it depends on the person's individual situation. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's good advice. Go back Mm -hmm. to your own circumstances. But I love that you mentioned that if you are in the situation where you are working full time, and you're not sure exactly what to do, it does give you that opportunity to try different things. You've started close to 20 different businesses while having ideas for at least another 20. So you're super creative. And you also mentioned that some were successful and still are some of these businesses, and then some bombed. But the businesses that failed, why do you think they didn't succeed? I think part of the problem with a lot of entrepreneurs is we have that shiny object syndrome where we're constantly thinking of new ideas and we might be working on something, but then we think of something else and we want to chase that and try that and we get bored with what we're doing. So I think a lot of the businesses, the ones that failed, the reason is because it was a thought that popped into my head. And it's probably not wise to go with every thought that pops in your head, not try every <laughs> not try every little thing that you can think of. So that's one thing that I regret in a way because I feel like I waste a lot of time. But at the same time, for me, maybe I needed to experience all these different things to get where I am or to know what I want to do. 
Mm. The ones that failed, that's why, is because mm-hmm. it was just an idea and I launched it and then I got tired of it as quickly as the idea came to me. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you know, Sarah, when you needed to let go of an idea? Usually as soon as I got bored of it. If you're already bored of something, then it, it doesn't make sense to keep doing it. And there were some things that I wasn't maybe bored of yet, but I could tell that it wasn't going to be sustainable or profitable. A couple of businesses I had that were successful that lasted quite a while was the photography business. I did that for seven years while I worked also full time. I realized that I like taking photos, but not really of people. And unless you get (laughs) hired to work for a magazine or something, you're going to have to take photos of people, plus the expense of it. Another successful business I had was actually an online travel agency. I did that for five years. I closed up, I think it was like April of 2020 or somewhere around there because of COVID. A lot of my businesses I did simultaneously, and that's probably also part of the problem. (laughs) Well, two reasons. One, I was becoming so focused and loving podcasting, so I was already questioning whether the travel agency was going to be my long-term business, even though prior to starting podcasting, that was the plan. But then when COVID hit and I had to cancel all my bookings, and then with being a travel agent, you don't get paid on any of it until they take the trip. Who knows when travel will return to normal. So it was just too risky at that point. And I was just losing interest. So I closed that up and have been focused just on all things podcasting since that point. That really connects with something I've heard you say before that it's important that an entrepreneur enjoys what they're doing because that keeps you going. It keeps the feel running. Sarah, I'd love to learn a little bit more about this term that you've coined and that you use for your podcast and your first book as well, frugalpreneur. What does it mean to you to be a frugalpreneur and why did you create this term? The word came to me, I don't know if you're familiar with Dave Ramsey. I was in his financial peace class and he's talking about all these different ways to save money and pay down debt. I was sitting there thinking, all these ideas are great, but what about making more money? For some reason, the word frugalpreneur came to my mind and I was like, you know what, that would be a good book. And I could write about all the different ways I've you know, made money online and things like that. Basically, it just means building a business on a bootstrap budget. That's what frugalpreneur means to me. And that's Mm -hmm. why I like online business so much because there's not much overhead. I basically bootstrap everything. What is your advice for entrepreneurs that want to start an online business, but they're not sure what type of business to start because there's so many options out there? One recommendation would be to read my book because it has like 10 different types of online business models. And of course, there's even more than that. If there's a few that you're interested in, you could do like I did and try different things out. But at a certain point, you do need to pick that one thing and focus on that one thing. Because I learned that when your hand is in a bunch of different things, it gets overwhelming. If you're putting 20% of your energy and focus into five different things, instead of 100% into one thing, None of them are going to be that successful. And I think that was part of my problem. What is your advice for entrepreneurs that want to start an online business specifically? Regardless of what kind of online business you go with, I definitely recommend having a website. Uh, A lot of people think that having a social media presence is all they need. And I think you should have a social media presence. But just like MySpace went under, 
in a day, practically overnight. Who knows what could happen with other social media platforms and their algorithms are always changing. And when you post something, only like one to 2% of your followers see it anyway and without having to pay to boost it. So having your own website, it's like you're owning land versus renting land, basically. And start your email marketing right away. And for that, I actually recommend SendFox. That's who I use. It's free up to, I think, a thousand subscribers. What I like about it is for any kind of content creator, like a blogger, podcaster, or a YouTuber, you can put in your YouTube link or your RSS feed, and it'll automatically generate a weekly newsletter with your latest podcast episodes or whatever. So it saves time in that regard. If you have a website and an email marketing platform, you can start marketing to people right away, communicating with them. Having a lead magnet is a good way to start capturing email addresses. You have to exchange something like a value exchange. Give them something for free in exchange for their email address so you can market to them. On my website, for example, there's a bar at the top that says, enter your email for my book, Podcastpreneur. So there's just different ways you can collect that information. You could create a landing page and run ads to that. Sumo.com is another free resource. They also run giveaways as well through King Sumo. They're Sinfox, Sumo, and King Sumo. They're all the same company, actually, and they're all free. I give away a book every month, and that's another good way to mm. capture leads. No matter what you're doing, definitely have a website and an email marketing platform, a way to capture leads and be able to email people and stay in contact. You have to get a domain and one and onecom is where I get my domains because they're like a dollar for the first year. The website could be free if you're using WordPress. You do have to pay for hosting. That's as little as like $3 a month. You could create a logo for free in Canva or pay someone $5 in Fiverr. So now your website's all ready to go for hardly anything. And then email marketing platform is free up to a certain amount. So you can get started very affordably. Thank you for sharing all of those mostly free resources, Sarah. It's so great that there are a lot of free resources out there, especially as you start out. Sarah, what do you believe is the biggest mistake made by entrepreneurs when it comes to their financial mindset? At a certain point, and I've struggled with this and still kind of do with being frugal-minded, is that I don't really like to pay anybody for anything. I like to do everything (laughs) myself. But I'm getting to the point now where I'm going to start looking into getting a virtual assistant to take on some of the work. But I think it's good and okay to start out doing everything yourself. But at a certain point, when you start making money, it's probably wise to outsource some of those tasks so that you can focus more on the business and not like the administrative type of tasks. From a financial perspective, that's probably one issue that I deal with because I like to save as much money as I can. And Mm. so it's a struggle sometimes knowing when to pay someone to do something. (laughs) Mm, Yes. And getting to that point where you allow yourself to get some help. Sarah, how much time do you roughly spend on each of your online businesses per week, if you had to estimate? And then how much time do you think a new entrepreneur need to spend on a new online business to manage it successfully? I'm probably spending, I would say at least 20 hours a week. Each week maybe differs a little bit depending on what I have going on that week. But that's probably 20 to 40 hours. 
And I would say starting out, I just was doing it evenings and weekends. I would say you could get 20 hours a weekend doing that. 10 to 20 hours would be a good starting point for someone Mm -hmm. starting out. Because there's so many different types of things you can do. So I know it's hard to estimate. (laughs) So thank you for letting me put you on the spot. (laughs) But I think it's good coming from you. Budget for about 20 hours if you want to start off strong. Mm -hmm. Uh, So thank you for, for that. You did mention about the delicate balance of knowing when to get help. I'd love to learn a little bit more about your journey to work life balance. What do you do to maintain that sense of balance? Having a schedule that you try to stick to every week. Of course, things can change and there's different things that come up each week. But for the most part, trying to have a schedule, for example, I spend the first hour per day checking email, responding to email social media, all that stuff, get all that out of the way. And then I move on to the more creative stuff. And everyone is different as far as what order they like to do things. I would say having things scheduled and only allowing a certain amount of time per thing. And if you need to set a timer, then do that. Sarah, you currently own a podcast production agency called Podseam, and you recommend using podcasting for business. What are the benefits of a business or organization or an entrepreneur using podcasting? I know it's so popular right now. There's lots of people advocating for it, especially telling entrepreneurs to do it. But why do you believe it's a good idea? There's a couple of different ways you can use podcasting. You can have your own podcast and or be a guest on other podcasts. And so even if you don't start your own podcast, I definitely recommend at least guesting on other podcasts. And that's because you're leveraging the other person's audience. You're getting in front of people that you maybe wouldn't be able to otherwise. And it doesn't hardly cost anything, if anything, other than your time, basically. And podcasting is becoming such a popular medium. It's existed since 2004. And it got up to, I think, 800,000 podcasts by 2019. But then between 2019 and 2020, it doubled to 1.6 million. It's gaining popularity really quickly. And I think it could be in part because people can multitask while they listen to a podcast. They could listen while they're driving or doing the laundry, all of those types of things. Whereas reading a book or a blog or a YouTube video requires your eyes. I think the the audio-based platform of podcasting and even audiobooks is just going to continue to increase in popularity. It's getting to the point where people almost expect you to have a podcast, at least if you're a business. I think like even Wendy's has their own podcast, like just businesses you wouldn't even, (laughs) you wouldn't even think would need one. Kind of like every business needs a website. I think every business at a certain point is going to need a podcast as well. But if that seems too daunting or overwhelming, maybe at least start with being a guest on other podcasts. So it's just about helping to get the word out about your own business. Right. Just the exposure and the the searchability, because in Google or in the various podcast directories, people can search by keywords and things like that. You might get found that way that you maybe wouldn't have gotten found any other way. Sarah, what type of personality traits do you think will give someone an advantage as an online entrepreneur? determination would be a big one and patience as well. 
And I think that's true for any kind of entrepreneur because it's unlikely that the first thing you try is going to take off. Even people we think are overnight successes, there's usually a story there. It usually took a decade or who knows how long. We just assume Mm -hmm. that it was an overnight thing, but we don't know all the (laughs) years and hours and late nights and different Mm -hmm. business models they tried. You're offering the free resource for Startup Advantage listeners. Thank you so much for that. You are sharing your complete premiere series in which you share information on which online businesses to try, but also how to manage and market them. Do you have any tips on using them? They can get all three of my books, the PDF version at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash free. And that's Sarah with an H. Read straight through and then maybe go back and read a second time, seeing what it is that sparks your interest and what you want to try. It's good to read through once to get an overview and to know what all the options are, but then to go back. Because I mention a lot of resources in the books. And so I would recommend maybe not even visiting those resources until the second time around, or at least until you finish the first time around. That's good advice. Reflecting on your entrepreneurial journey, which strategy, habit, or mindset? If I forced you to pick one, (laughs) because I know it's hard. There are many that have worked for you. But if you had to choose one strategy, habit, or mindset that you have personally found to have helped you the most to achieve success that others can learn from, what would you say? When I was starting out, I was spending so much time learning through books and podcasts and courses and all of these different things. And I think that's important and you should do that initially. But at a certain point, if you're not implementing what you're learning, then it's basically pointless. What I do now is for every hour I spend learning, I try to spend another hour implementing what I learned. I would encourage people to start out maybe learning more than implementing, but at a certain point, especially once you know what you want to do, then try to implement what you're learning as a one for one, like for every hour you learn, spend another hour implementing what you learn. Do you schedule that into your planning for your day? Usually I do the social media and the email first, then usually about an hour or so of learning. And then I work on all my business related things. Sarah, at Startup Advantage, we believe entrepreneurship should be approached collaboratively as a team sport, even if you're a solopreneur, because relationships just help us move forward. Based on your experience, what advice do you have for first-time entrepreneurs on which relationships they should prioritize? and how to build strong relationships, especially within the online environment. Getting involved in whether it be different entrepreneurial Facebook groups or even there's some different paid membership platforms, maybe $50 a month type of thing, where you can join and get access to a community and people being on the same page and level as you and communicating and learning from each other and things like that. That's what I would recommend is maybe start out just learning through free Facebook groups. And then at a certain point, if there's a very specific area that you're focusing on, maybe even join some sort of paid membership and get some mentoring that way as well. Sarah, do you have in your schedule, your plan for your day or week, Do you have specific time blocks that you set aside just to do this, just to 
go engage in Facebook groups or just to connect with others in your industry or outside? Or do you approach it in a different way? During my social media time is where I do most of that. And then, of course, obviously, whenever I'm doing a podcast as a guest or as a host, I feel like I'm always learning something that way and and making new connections. But as far as scheduled in my day, usually it's just during my social media time in the beginning of the day. So it sounds like you're very intentional. You have it planned out. You include it as part of your strategy. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you so much for joining us today, Sarah. Where can people connect with you if they want to reach out to you? My website is thesarahstjohn.com. And those free resources is just forward slash free. And then I'm everywhere on social media at the Sarah St. John. If anyone has a podcast or thinking about starting a podcast and needs help with that, my agency is Podseam. That's P-O-D-S-E-A-M.com. I'll be sure to share those links and resources in the show notes for this episode. Thank you so much, Sarah. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you again, Sarah, for sharing with us about your frugal ways and how it has led to profitability and a work life that feels meaningful to you. So what do you think of the conversation we just had with Sarah? Do you feel encouraged that, just like Sarah, we can learn to be frugal in your ways as an entrepreneur, to find your own frugal approach to entrepreneurial life, to learn to be frugal with the projects you take on, what you choose to spend your time on, and with the resources you choose to use in your journey to building a successful business? I hope you do. Especially now that you know that it didn't come naturally to Sarah when she just started out. If there's one thing I want you to take away from this episode, it is that it's a mindset. You need to be frugal with what you decide to take on, how you spend your time, the things that you decide to give your attention to. If this episode helped you, please share it with a friend who you know will also benefit from learning about Sarah's frugal ways and her recommended resources and free premier PDF book series. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Startup Advantage podcast with me, Tanya. This is your Startup Advantage, where entrepreneurship is considered a team sport. So please share it with a friend who will benefit from it. And if you want to support this podcast, please write a review in your favorite podcast player. Stay safe and have a great week. Until next week.